Creating dream trips around the world sounds like a dream job, right? And it is, as long as you also are working with dream clients. This episode, we are talking all about the unfortunate situation where you find yourself working with or beginning to work with someone who doesn't jive with your business model. Now, we recognize that everyone has a different idea of a target audience, so please note that these are our red flags, and they may or may not be concerns for your own business. However, we are going to discuss some behavioral patterns that could tip you off that the client-advisor relationship may not be mutually beneficial. Hey, it's your travel industry best friends, Robin and Jen from Teak. We're obsessed with practically anything that touches your business and allows you to scale to the level of success that you've always dreamt of. With Robin's background in sales and marketing and Jennifer's experience as a management level HR professional, we grew a small itinerary creation company into a multi-million dollar travel agency. And now we aim to help others skip the hard stuff and get right to the big wins. We're probably each recording this holding a glass of wine. So pour one up with us, grab a seat, and join us to talk all things travel and business. This is my trigger, and I think I talk about it more times than not. (laughs) Robin, you and I, we are really passionate about having a intake process. And that intake process includes an inquiry form on the website. It includes making sure that when people text, Facebook, message, Instagram, whatever it may be, we respond with like a canned response that actually directs them to the right way of submitting an inquiry. And this is something that you and I ran into a lot of issues in the beginning where people were asking us for these very like churn and burn all-inclusive packages. And we talked about this in a previous episode. So you'll know that story if you have tuned into other episodes But basically, we were getting ghosted all the time because no one was actually invested in working with us. They were just asking for pricing. And so it became very transactional. And so what we did was we created an intake form that we required every client to submit before we ever hopped on a call, ever answered anything or produced a quote, no matter how easy and seamless it would be to go into a wholesaler and just pull something. So when people were refusing to follow that intake process, it was like, okay, well, you're not wanting to work with us. You're wanting us to work for you without the promise of any business on our end. And that's essentially what people are asking for when they're asking for a quote without following your intake process and ultimately paying your fee, which will transition right into Robin's next section here. Questioning fee structure was always a huge red flag for us. We talked about this in episode two, graduating clients. Like we did not initially have the fee structure in place. We were just solely getting paid based off of commissions. So when we transitioned over to charging a flat fee for actually like creating itineraries and booking trips and all of that, clients would start to push back. And I think as service providers, even though me and Jen are not actively booking travel anymore, we still are very much in a service-based business with T. And something that we notice as service providers is sometimes that when people start questioning us, so they're questioning our process, they're questioning how much money we're charging, they're questioning all these things, instead of sitting back and being like, whoa, this must not have been clear, we start to get super defensive. Something to ask yourself if you run into this issue as well, where you're charging fees, you're raising the price of your fee, anything like that. If a client starts questioning your why and you start getting those heart palpitations that I sometimes do, where you're like, how dare you question me? Take a beat 
and go back and think to yourself, did I fail to articulate my value? Like, was my value crystal clear to this person from the jump? Because not everyone has worked with an advisor before. So a lot of times, especially when I was booking, my clients knew nothing about travel advisors except for the outdated model. So it was a lot of education on my end on the front to get them to understand like, okay, now you want to work with an advisor. Here's exactly what that means. Here's what I'm going to do. And here's why it's beneficial for you in the long run. Because I mean, there's a lot of inconsistencies in our industry. There's people who are charging fees. There's people who are not. There's people, they all have like these different ideas of how to run their travel business. So people just may not genuinely understand. And it may not be from this malicious, you're going to charge me that. It could just simply be like, I'm confused. People want to know where their money is going right now. At the time of this recording, we're in that slight recession. I don't see this going away anytime soon, but prices are higher for everything. So I mean, the dollar needs to stretch. And I just want to say again, if you find yourself in that, like, oh my gosh, like instead of getting mad at the client, maybe it's something that we, we can do on our end. So maybe that's you, you know, doing a Instagram series about the value of your businesses or putting out an email, like myth busting the things people commonly think about travel advisors or a a day in your life, sharing that on social media or in a blog post or something where people can be like, oh yeah, I see the value. So that's my caveat number one. So I'm off my soapbox. (laughs) But on the flip side of that, if you do feel like you're adequately articulating your value and what you're benefiting the client and they're still questioning you, that's where it becomes, okay, is this client not appreciating my value? Like, am I not a fit for them? Because I mean, again, we, we don't have to sell luxury travel to position ourselves as a luxury service. We're giving people their time back, their, the hours that's spent booking a trip, we handle that for them. So it's, it's a trade-off in that sense. And again, some of those people who are maybe are not willing to pay a planning fee, they also tend to have like maybe a, a stricter budget. The people who are like, yeah, sure, I'll pay you $500 because this is a $1,500 or $1,500. That's still a lot of money. I'm not laughing at that. <laughs> this might be a $15,000 you know, family trip to Italy. Like, $500 to make sure that that trip goes off without a hitch is like no brainer for me, especially when you're dealing with all these different logistics. So again, it can kind of weed out people who maybe aren't in the the budget level yet of where you would like your trips to be. We have people in our network that are, their starting fee is $500 and their starting budgets are $15,000. So whether that's your bracket that you're starting at or not, One, just the symbol of a fee in itself is this more of a gesture of a mutual respect. So it's it's an exchange that occurs to say, hey, we're both mutually invested in in each other's times. And we did a whole thing on fees, so we won't go down that rabbit hole. But I want to just kind of reiterate what you said about getting defensive, because I think it's such a common thing to, especially like, I don't know, you've been booking for a couple years. And even if you've been booking for one year and you're, you feel like you're in a rhythm for the record one year, I felt like I knew so much more than I actually knew. And then by five years, I was like, wow, I really have it. And I'm sure by like 20 years, I would be like jokes on the person at five years because the world just keeps changing and you always have something to learn in this industry. That's the beauty of it. But regardless of where you are in your season of business, I think it's important to recalibrate every now and then and say, hey, am I becoming transactional? 
because I feel like I'm getting defensive or I'm getting really just canned in my responses on the phone call. Like it's just really easy if you don't step back every now and then to say, do I need to like refresh and reinvigorate myself so that I find the passion again in presenting to clients? Because we get so like this rote memorization about like what we do, how we do it. And they might not feel that passion if we get into more of a rhythm. That's just a canned response. So reinvigorating that. And this is like, we're recording this right now in January. So we love new beginnings. And this is just kind of like, hey, as we head into the new year, just reset and think like, am I working with my target audience? What fuels my fire? And if it's not fueling your fire, guess what? It's not going to translate on that call, which means it's probably not an ideal fit. Like listen to all of these signs because it is a mutual relationship. And guess what? The client can also see red flags. It's 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 within their right to see a red flag within our business model and make sure it's the best fit for them or not the best fit for them. Just resetting and saying, am I articulating this or genuinely is this not a good fit? Because sometimes when we're tired and overworked, it's very easy for us to think it's not a good fit when it could be a fantastic client and we just need the tweaking. Yeah. And I think a lot of times that comes down to like, at least for me personally, like I revamped my, my businesses and my workflows once I traveled for leisure. Like, I think that's when it really comes to be like, Oh my gosh, like, yeah, I should tell my clients about this new requirement at airports or, you know, I noticed this and I noticed how much shorter the lines were in clear. I'm going to add that to my like prepping for travel guide. So I think a lot of that, again, we travel and we, we always have this travel advisor cap on and that's great. But like, if you needed a reminder, here's your second, like your 15th million reminder, I guess, at this point to take a vacation, to truly take a vacation. Cause sometimes that's going to benefit your business in the long run, because I think it does give you the opportunity to be like, okay, if I'm a traveler, which I am right now, and I was working with an advisor, what would I need to know at this point? I'm two weeks from departure. What would I want to know? What would I want in my inbox right now to get me excited for this trip? Or do I not want people emailing me weekly with stuff that's not really relevant? Cause sometimes as crazy as it is, maybe we over communicate and then people are like, whoa, this is like too much. So that's another selfish, shameless, I don't know, plug to, to go on a vacation and travel because that's going to help your business as well. I love that because one of the favorite questions that we had put on our welcome home survey was what do you wish you had known before you went? Because even when we go on a fam or if we go on vacation, we should always be asking ourselves, what do I wish I had known about that destination before I went? Creating a place to store that information or tweaking your workflow or duplicating your workflow rather to have these niche specific bon voyage emails that have that specific information that you wish you had known for that destination that you're going to. It took me going on safari a second time for a true vacation to say, hey, these are the things I wish that I had made clear on my intake call with the DMC that was planning this for me, that this was important to me. Would I have loved to know that the bathroom was not connected to the bedroom and I would have to go outside where the baboons were like in the middle of the night? Sure, I would have. I would have also loved to know that like Wi-Fi wasn't strong at that camp because once you're in your room, you have zero Wi-Fi. And if you have a child or you need to be immediately available to someone, like that's not the ideal setup. So all of these things, sometimes it does take us traveling in a much more personal way for it to become a reminder to be personal again. 
100%. And I think that's, this is your other sign, your fifth sign. So if you're writing all these signs (laughs) down, your fifth sign to reevaluate your client testimonial, like your form when people get back from traveling, I think that really making sure that you're capturing, not just like, did you like your trip? Yes or no? Rate me five stars. That's not going to help your business. Make sure that you're asking them specific questions about your process. So you get better. And then again, when they give you honest feedback, like as long as it's not malicious and they're not being like a bully about it, that's a good thing for you. It may be hard to hear that your process isn't the best process in the world or that something felt clunky, but ultimately it's going to benefit you and in turn your clients in the long run. So when you do get that client feedback in that form, it's good to actually take it to heart and not take it personally. All right. In true Robin and Jen fashion, we've already come up with multiple other ideas for episodes that I did write down. And I actually have combed through all of our previous episodes and written those ideas down. So they're in queue. So stay tuned if you were like, hey, that idea, I would want to hear more about it. All right. So I'm going to jump into the one that makes my skin crawl. And I'm actually going to group Robin in because I know this is something that makes her skin crawl. We don't love phone calls. And I know for anyone that loves a phone call, I'm I'm not calling you out. This is just like our personal philosophy. We don't prescribe to a phone call based philosophy, which can feel very extreme. However, my first thing to question or to ask yourself rather is, do you have a receptionist like every other business? The answer is most likely no. If you have your own call service, like where phone calls get funneled to you from an answering service, good on you. I think that's an amazing use of outsourcing. If you have the bandwidth in your budget and you have the volume that would justify something like that, what an amazing way to have peace of mind that someone will always pick up the phone and you're always going to get that converted into a lead into your email box every time someone calls. I would pay for that. I'm just saying maybe we even have someone come on and talk about that if they're doing that actively. But Robin and I, not phone call fans. So if someone is asking for unnecessary phone calls, and I'm going to put quotation marks around unnecessary. If you could see my fingers, I'm doing the quotation mark sign. If they're asking for unnecessary phone calls, ask yourself again. Again, this is an opportunity to step back and say, have I failed to communicate something properly? So if they're asking for more communication, where have I not communicated? Or Do I actually have a lack of structure in my business that's creating this sense of unease or potentially distrust? Those are two things to ask yourself first. Don't jump to the defensiveness of, I don't want to get on a phone call. Ask yourself those things first and evaluate your workflow and tweak accordingly. But there are, of course, those clients that just want phone call after phone call after phone call. They got a proposal in their inbox. You sent them a loom that answered a million questions. You gave them a rundown. You actually sent them a form that allowed them to put feedback in the form. You put notes on the logistics and yet they still respond and say, hey, this is easier to just hop on a call. Can we do so? Well, it's not easier for us because we are busy servicing other clients. So one, again, they're not following your process, red flag. And two, they're wanting to be on the phone all the time, which to me is also an indicator that they want to be on the phone and they want me on call all the time while they're traveling. Those two things to me just don't, they don't meld with my anxiety levels. To avoid this, this is my recommendation. I'm going to tell you a little bit of a story of how I landed on this. 
To avoid this, what I would recommend doing in your process is if you have a client fee, planning fee, which you should, as we know, when you send that invoice, it should directly itemize the inclusions of what they are getting in that service. It shouldn't just say proposal included, on call, during travel, and then the terms and conditions. It should say specifically one intake call up to one hour, one wrap-up call up to one hour. And what you could even do is put an asterisk and say, one, changes or cancellations would be subject to an additional service fee. And two, additional calls will be at a service fee of XYZ per hour. We put $100 per hour on it and it just very clearly made it that we were not going to be subject to call after call. If you want those extra hours of our time, you will pay for it just like a lawyer, just like an accountant, just like any service provider that you see as a professional, you are going to pay for the additional time that is required to service your trip. So I want to say there's a caveat to this because I think that we get so rigid in our rules sometimes that we forget the human component. And we touched on this before. If you are an ultra luxury service provider and you are listening to this, that ultra luxury service or that ultra luxury client is probably expecting a very high level concierge service structure. So I would say the higher you get in your business, when you start getting into mega yachts, private jets, things like that, people are paying for you to be on call. So there is some flexibility, but there is this sweet spot in this middle ground where if your standard FIT is maybe 20,000, 10,000, 30,000, I think that's the sweet spot for a lot of boundaries to be respected. And once you hit six digits in your trip value, I think that's a, you have to reprioritize all of your, your workflow. But the reason I got to this philosophy of charging for extra calls is because I had one client, multi-generational trip. It took four calls just to get to the concept of creating a proposal. And then it took multiple calls to talk through the two proposals because I was not following my own philosophy of giving one proposal. I gave one for Italy and I gave one for Ireland and that opened the floodgates for disaster. I deviated from my process. And as soon as I deviate from the process, Robin, you know it. As soon as we deviate from the process, every time it kicks your butt. I think genuinely this person probably took 20 hours of phone calls alone and it was a $28,000 trip. I'm sorry, but I did the math on that. I added in my service fee. And when you look at everything, when all is said and done, the back and forth with the vendors, the editing, the proposals, like I probably was making $15 an hour. And that's just not where I'm comfortable at this juncture of my life and point in my business that I just felt very abused. And it came to a point where I was like, almost genuinely having like anxiety, panic attacks every time he would request a call. But we were so close to the trip that I was like, screw it. Let's just get on the dang phone and wrap this up with a bow. But bless Ashlyn's heart. She actually took the bullets for me because she could handle it much better than I could. And she was a little bit emotionally removed from the situation. So the wrap up calls, everything went through her because I just like, I had literally no more to give. And when you get to that point, you can't service anyone well. So why get yourself to that point? Why ignore the red flags? Get yourself to an entire book of business that's draining you. You aren't getting the proper funding for whatever they're paying, what it quote unquote paying for, which 
they think they're paying you, but they're not at that point. That's a very long explanation of how I got there, but unnecessary phone calls, put a value on it and slash or recognize it from the beginning and just say they're not the best client for you if they want to work in a way that doesn't fit your business model. Yeah, I think we we share so much like, uh, this is what we used to do. This is how we do it. I think there's a lot, and this was what stinks because I wish I could just be like, here's the magic secret sauce of Travel Advisor. If you do all of this, if you have one phone call for one hour and you do two rounds of revisions, it'll work for everybody, but it doesn't because everybody works different. The reason me and Jen do not take phone calls is because when we get in our zone of genius, when we are doing the things we love and when we're focused, if you derail me from that focus, I'm probably not going to be able to get back to that space. And then that creates resentment. So like, there's probably people listening who are like, gosh, just hop on the phone. It's not that hard. No, it is hard. Cause like running a business is hard as you know. So when I'm cleaning social media content, when Jen's writing a blog post, when I'm mapping out our next launch, I can't get derailed. And I wouldn't want me to, if I was like working, you know, I'm planning my own Italy trip and I want that trip to be perfect. And then I call and I derail the focus of the person planning it. Like that's a disservice. It's, so it's just know how to work. Again, I find with so many tasks and running so many aspects of a small business, you really do have to allow yourself to get into these zones of genius and block time. So maybe that looks like, you know, I'm on call Tuesdays and Thursdays. Those were always my call days because Monday, my brain wasn't in it. Wednesday, it's hump day. I don't, I just don't. Wednesdays are hard. And then Friday, you're getting 20% of my brain. That's the most I can give anybody. And that's it. So Tuesdays, I'm fresh. I'm excited. Thursdays, I'm almost to Friday. So I'm also excited. So like by knowing that, any sort of client calls were scheduled on those days. And I just, again, I don't want anybody to be like, I like phone calls. That's great. If that's what you like, if that's going to sell your thing, your trips, wonderful. Hop on the phone. Like that's totally fine. This is just our approach and everyone's business is different. You'll hear us say this a million times. What we do in our business is not always the quote unquote right way because there is no right way to do business. Sometimes you do have to learn. But I think that also Jen touched on a great point on time tracking and how that's just so beneficial to really see the amount of time you're spending on trips and on phone calls and on revisions. And so that you can set your fees to align with that. So something that you said, like you're doing a disservice by being interrupted, you have to always think of your time as currency. And when you, there's always an exchange, right? Like when you take from something, you're giving to something else and vice versa. So if you are giving to someone that is continuously giving, you're giving, you're taking away from someone else, probably that low maintenance client that's paying double and also paid triple the fees. I feel like people in their car, if they're listening right now are like preach because I swear the easiest clients are the people that are like big budget because they let you be creative. They want it. And they're like, here's my credit card. Oh, deposit. Here's my credit card. And then it's the people that have the, they question your fees and then they question the budget. Those are the people that drain most of your time. And you're taking away from the people that are really trusting you with their money and in your business. Yeah. Bottom line, your two most valuable resources as a travel advisor are your skills. So your experience in booking travel and your time and the wrong client wastes both of those. So this is just ensuring (laughs) my job. All right. That's, that's what it boils down to. So 
On to the next one. This one got me a lot because again, as I said in the beginning of the episode, I worked with a lot of people who had never worked with travel advisors before. And people always are requesting broken out pricing. So I would send them a proposal. Here's everything it includes, round trip airfare, transfers to and from the airports, hotel. Okay, well, what is it per thing? So I can compare. I was always so bad at answering this. So over time, Jen worked with me on this and the the proper way to approach it. And as I kept saying it, I kept it kept feeling better and better. But how I would always approach this is I know that this may not be the traditional way that you see pricing, but it is the way that advisors are provided with rates since these packages are based on contracted bundle pricing. So our partners have negotiated rates and we aren't privy to the specifics as that's like a confidential contract to protect their position with their suppliers. So again, we understand that this is not something you're comfortable with, but it is for the benefit of our partners and our clients that we work this way. And that kind of feels like it's dancing around it. But ultimately, the what you really want people to understand is these are like negotiated rates. Our suppliers are getting these rates from hotels because that's part of their relationship. So yes, we do get a deal to an extent. We get a lot of perks a lot of the time, but we we can't give off specifics because honestly, most of our suppliers don't even like have, well, they have specifics, but like they're not telling advisors sometimes even the specifics. If I were a, if I were a mechanic... And I wanted to buy a new car. I would not go to the dealership and say, yes, but how much were the brakes in that new car? Because I want to compare it to what I could get. It just like, <laughs> let's think of it in another context because it just doesn't make sense. I- I've never thought of it that way. I'll be honest. As you were talking, I had to share that. Like, we don't ask that of so many other even tangible goods in our life. I'm not, I'm not nitpicking price of this plastic bag that's holding my cashews and the cashews and then evaluating if it's worth my dollar. I just think it's interesting how people feel the right to price compared to us when they've entrusted us with their business. A lot of people came to me and they had never worked with an advisor before and they were used to piecing together their trips and itineraries and booking everything individually on their own. So for them, it made sense that it would be broken out. And that's the same thing I was doing, but that's not what I'm doing. I'm doing it through suppliers and I'm doing it through suppliers for all these benefits for you. So boots on the ground, maybe they have a 24 seven emergency hotline that the client can access because I'm on a different time zone, all of those things. And then when I position it as like, this is how my business works. Cause again, when we have these red flags and we have this pushback, typically it comes, it stems from this area of a lack of transparency. And we don't need to like lay our cards out on the table and be like, this is my annual salary. And this is how much money I'm making off your trip individually. No one needs to know any of that, but we do need to be aware that like sometimes the client just needs a little bit more information. If they don't respect that, that goes back into this idea that we've been hitting on the whole time that they, they may not trust your process since they're looking to maybe price compare, which is the literal worst ways to avoid this, which I think is a super important thing to include here. Something that we've actually started doing antique. We started doing an explore tour on our contact form, like the inquiry form, At the very bottom, they enter all their awesome information about their trip. They're so excited. They're about to press submit. We have a checkbox, like a little line item that says like, yes, I understand that all pricing will come out as a bundled rate. This is really awesome for any part of your process where you are like, oh my gosh, I told you two phone calls. And 
I mean, people need to hear things multiple times to actually, for it to actually sink in. So these sticking points like keep popping out. So whether it's everyone keeps asking me for bundled rates, everybody keeps pushing back on my service fee. Everybody keeps pushing back on how many phone calls I add, add that as a line item so that they can't even submit your inquiry form unless they check that box. Because that, again, forces them to read the thing and press accept in order to move forward. We actually started doing this inside of Teeth, like I mentioned. And one of our things was pricing. Like, I just wanted people to be super upfront because there is no wiggle room. We're not going to wiggle on brand pricing. That's just not how it works. Like, Amanda Lynn is pouring hours of time and creativity into creating this brand concept for clients. The price is what it is. So we added a line item that says, by checking this box, I understand that brand pricing starts at $2,600 and they can't move forward or submit our form unless that's completed. So like that makes me know when they get the proposal, they're not going to be like, wait, what? You know, maybe a a loof client who's just rushing through the process might miss it. But ultimately it's, it's just another form of protection. That aloof client is a red flag. (laughs) A red flag. Another way to infuse this and really hit it home is to, in your initial email response, so when somebody submits the inquiry form and they get like that, yeah, you submitted your form thing, including like a how we work guide. So it's like to prepare for our phone call, here is a document that lays out exactly how we work, answers some FAQs. I think this is one of the most important client experience documents to infuse into your workflow. If you do not have a how we work document it will save you hours of time, I think, because I found myself, especially a lot of the times, a whole hour phone call was wasted on me explaining the process and them asking questions. And I'm like, and now I need to go to my next client phone call and we haven't even talked about your trip. So I think by completing and creating and taking the time to sit down and really think through that, how we work guide, that will help a lot of this and describe your pricing, the process, the bundled rates, all of that. And then lastly, the intake call. So at the end, I always say, this is of course outlined clearly in your How We Work guide. However, just so you have a brief understanding of what to expect from me now, I'm going to XYZ, XYZ, XYZ. Like here's when you'll pay your direct invoice. Here's when we'll put the deposit up on your trip. Here's when I will get a quote back from you, all the things. You can sometimes offer prices broken out by category, like for transportation and tours, here's how much it is. Because some people are like, how do we get this number? Like I want to, I want to cut back $2,000 worth of whatever. How, how can we find that? And like, you can, I used to say like, okay, well right now airfare is costing us about this much. Here's a cheaper option. And here's what those flights might look like. You know, you'll have a a five hour layover in Paris instead of, you know, a two or whatever that looks like just so you're aware, or like the Venice hotel is really, really going over. Do we need a balcony view? Like how important is it that you see this amazing site out your bedroom window? Cause we can go to this category and shave off this amount. That's something that I would finagle. So people knew like, I'm not just like, Oh, I don't know. Let's roll the dice and see what, you know, my supplier comes back with, but I I would never get more granular than that. Just to avoid direct price comparisons, losing a sale, having them go directly to the hotel. It's all just such a bummer. And ultimately you're taking the time to create the itinerary. Ideally your service fee is covering some of that time. And these are clients that like respect my process. And I know aren't going to do this. There are some people that I would never even really go down that rabbit hole with of like, here's, you know, a rough estimate of hotel. Cause I'm like, the second I give them any sort of number, they're like going to Expedia and they're out the window, which I mean, sometimes that's fine. I'm like, do it, do it yourself, have fun. I think about all those people who like had to deal with Southwest. Again, this is in January, the whole uh, holiday travel stafu with Southwest. I look at those lines and I'm like, I hope they have travel advisors. It's just, it's such a mess. Well, even, even if they did work with an agent, then I'm sorry, agents. 
I think I went inside of a travel advisor's heart and just ripped it out when I actually mentioned that. So if I cause PTSD <laughs> for anybody, I'm so sorry. That's my take on, on breakout pricing and kind of how we avoided that. The thing is, if you're talking about this from the initial point of this is how I work. So like, I love a how we work guide. I also love a how we work video. Sometimes you can embed that in the, the actual email and that's more likely to be watched if it's on autoplay, if it starts when someone opens that email, because they're not having to read. We know opening an attachment and having someone read is honestly an act of God sometimes. So it may not happen. The easier you make information accessible, which is why we landed on the check mark on the intake form is because people weren't opening the How We Work guide. But the reality is if someone is checking that, they're very aware that things are coming bundled. They're very aware that you have a service fee. Most of the time, if they are comfortable, visibly comfortable with those two things, they're not going to be fighting you on component pricing. And that's just getting you closer to the ideal client that you want. So I agree with all of that. And I felt like you like... (laughs) on a roll with it. And I was just like eating up every word. Cause I'm like, yes, the, the broken out pricing is all of these are triggering for me, but like, that is something that particularly early on in your business, I think is so hard to handle unless you've handled it multiple times. And as soon as you start putting obstacles and yes, I do mean obstacles in the way of clients getting through to actually working with you, you're going to have to continue having that fight. I'm, I'm sorry. It's just a reality. If you are especially at like a certain price point, if it's $3,500, $5,000, $7,000, you run into that so much more frequently because those clients are looking to get the most value out of every dollar that they spend. So they want to make sure it's allocated properly. And that's not, you can't blame them. Like I've been at seasons of my life where I would want to evaluate every dollar too. And that's not to say that even when you're at the most financially comfortable, you shouldn't evaluate where your finances go, but everyone prioritizes their spend differently to some people it's convenience. And those are the clients that we want to work with. It's not deals. So shifting, just removing that word in general from your life is going to benefit you. And we did definitely talk about that previously. Moving on. Moving on. All right. This is where I like get red in the face and like, you know, when you've been staring at your computer too long and you get like that flush cheek feeling and you're like, I need to step away because my whole face feels like it's lava. This is one of those situations that just really lights my fire. And it is when clients come to you and they say they want to go to the most Instagrammable spots or they're saying, well, I put it on Facebook and everyone told me that I should go to X, Y, Z. Cool. I'm so glad that the strangers that were on the interwebs told you about this ambiguous site that you must see and this hotel that you must stay at when they don't know your budget, they don't know your style, they don't know your priorities, and they have no idea what you actually want to see in the city. So the logistics don't matter. Cool. I'm so glad that you're trusting them over the person that you're actually paying to interact with. That makes me so beyond frustrated. And When people are doing it for the Instagram, there becomes this extra level of pressure that's like not even theirs. It's not even their happiness that they're trying to create. They're creating happiness for someone else to consume. That someone else that is consuming it, you don't even know what their passions are. So now you're just like throwing a dart at a dartboard with a blindfold on. I don't know. Is this hotel going to meet the need of them getting accolades on 
social media and getting that serotonin hit from a like every time someone, you know, you see the heart on Instagram and they actually like scientifically say that there is a serotonin spike associated with that, which is wild. And it's exactly why social media is addicting. Another topic for another day, but all that to say, as soon as you hear someone collecting information from friends, strangers that have not talked through the priorities of their trip, that to me is one of the biggest red flags that you can come across. There's a trust factor there. In my mind, if I'm going to go and ask my second sister-in-law twice removed about my Italy trip, that means I'm not trusting the person I'm paying for. And that's either a lack of, I mean, it's high uncertainty on their part, but that's another way where you can be like, am I showcasing my value? Am I showcasing my expertise enough to this person for them to be like, okay, I trust you. And we've had to do it with branding clients. Plenty of times when I was first starting off with brands, they're like, well, I asked my nephew uh, down the road, what he thought, and he didn't like it. So let's go back to the drawing board. And it's like, listen, I have years of experience doing this. I have a psychology major. I've studied this stuff. We've talked about your ideal client. Like if you think your nephew down the road is your ideal client, then let him plan your trip. But I think that comes down to really showcasing yourself as a true travel expert, not just somebody who travels a lot and like books it for friends on the side, positioning yourself as a professional. And that comes down to having a process that comes down to following the process and being not stingent in your, because again, things change people, you know, there's always circumstances where you can bend your process to an extent, but when you treat your business like a business, I feel like people are less likely to be questionable of you. Thirsty gram people. Thirsty. There's travelers. That's a triple T. <laughs> That's a new like hashtag. So that was a lot, but there are multiple ways. And I'm sure that like in the show notes, in the comments of this blog post of this podcast, please add yours. Cause I think it's so funny. I would love to get just that, like a panel of people going off on their client red flags. <laughs> I think we hit on some of the big ones, but I'm sure there are plenty more based off of different circumstances. With that being said, we do have a client avatar download on our website. It's a freebie for you to actually hone in on your ideal clientele. Hopefully you can avoid all these red flags by going through that process and then adjusting your verbiage, your marketing and your process. So feel free to download it. Get that freebie. It automatically subscribes you to our newsletter. We would love to have you. And we love to send out lots of goodies and resources at random times. <laughs> yes, definitely download the client avatar worksheet. And don't just download it. Take time and do it. Set aside a little CEO day. Take time on a Friday when you're like mentally just you can't deal with a client again. Work on your business and actually do it. I think that's one of the biggest things. Like I used to get all these downloads and I'm like, I'll do it one day. Sit down and do it because that actually will change change your business and will change your outlook on the people you're working with. We're sending you a long distance cheers because you just finished another episode of Teak Talk. If you loved what you heard, hit subscribe and head over to the show notes for any resources and a summary of this episode. In the meantime, if you want more access to us, we are personally inviting you to join our Niche by Teak community where we host live events, answer your questions, share destination masterclasses, and give you a front row seat to all the resources that we launch throughout the year. Plus, what's better than being surrounded by like-minded advisors that are hyping you up to succeed each day? We think nothing. 
head over to www.teakhq.com backslash niche to join the community today.